I love our worship team, and as I listened and experienced on every level of my senses that song, It Is Well, I looked around and recognized that they all know what they're singing about because they've lived it through the difficult, challenging times of life. So let's do something a little different this morning as we begin. Just acapulco all over this room. That's like acapella. Let's just lift that chorus one more time, everyone. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. Do you believe it? With my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well. My soul. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sympathy has been defined as the willingness to feel badly about what others are going through. I think there's often a second part of that where inwardly we're breathing a sigh, saying, I'm so glad that's not me. Empathy goes deeper. Empathy is a willingness to go along on the emotional roller coaster when those around us are experiencing the broken, hurtful, painful seasons of life, with a desire to offer encouragement, help, and support. Jesus is the greatest example of empathy. In fact, the Bible tells us that we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to be moved with what we go through. In fact, the Bible says that he's been tempted and tried in every way that we have, except without sin. So I've learned something pretty amazing about God. It's all right to express your frustration when life doesn't make sense directly to God. It's okay to get a little bit angry in God's presence and say, God, I just don't understand why you're allowing this in my life. I've learned that God can handle my strong emotions. He already knows how I feel. I might as well be honest with him. But you know what? I can never say you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. Because Jesus experienced it all to the point of laying down his life for every one of us 
in this room. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century minister, often referred to as the prince of preachers, said, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be mistaken. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. Pastor Rick Warren, whose 27-year-old son took his life in 2013, said, Behind every publicly successful ministry, there is private pain. Pain is God's megaphone to gain our attention. There is no testimony without a test. There is no message without a mess. Your greatest ministry, your greatest ministry in this room today, in the lives of others, will come out of your deepest hurt. We mistakenly think that the world is impressed by how we Christ followers handle prosperity. But the fact is, the world is impressed. All of those people you will rub shoulders with today are impressed most by how we handle adversity. Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, declares, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So dear friends, every one of you in this room who calls Jesus Savior and Lord today has God living within you in the joyful and the joyless times of life. In fact, the Bible says our bodies have become the dwelling place of God through the Holy Spirit. So how are you doing with the disappointments, heartaches, and trials of life? Are you able to see them in the light of Paul's words? Or like me, do you often find yourself doubting God's love? Questioning if there really is a plan to the mess. And wondering if you can survive one more painful experience. Today and next Sunday, we look at the problem of suffering in our lives as we seek to answer the question, can I really trust God's heart for me 
This morning, let's consider the issues of our myopic vision and fractured trust. Next Sunday, we'll wrap up by taking a look at the half-hearted hope that Jesus came to replace once and for all with what the Bible calls living hope. According to Merriam-Webster, myopia is a condition in which visual images come to focus just in front of the retina of the eye, resulting in defective vision of objects that are far away. Myopia can also be defined as a lack of foresight or sound judgment. A narrow view of something. Myopia is like the flustered woman who told a police officer at the scene of her auto accident, but officer, that telephone pole came at me so fast, I couldn't get out of the way in time. (laughs) Isn't life sometimes just like that? Before we know it, we've fallen victim to the brokenness and heartache of this world before we can get out of the way. We may believe the truth of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where we read, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Yet, if we're honest, if we're really truthful, Deep within, we're wondering how a loving Heavenly Father would really allow this pain to enter our lives. Dear friends, during this season, it's a good idea to remind ourselves that we're all myopic or short-sighted when it comes to God's plans for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 reminds us that now, in this world, in this life, we see only a reflection of truth, as in a mirror. There's coming a day when we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. Here's the problem with our vision in this life. We all have blinders, blind spots created by our experiences, many pleasant, many painful. Those blind spots handicap our ability to see clearly. We also evaluate everything with finite, limited understanding. Now compare us to a God who sees history as a single snapshot, knows the first from the last, and whose viewpoint is eternal. So when we struggle to understand the whys of this life, it's like looking through a periscope and wondering why we didn't see that bird approaching from behind about to drop a disgusting little white bomb on us. Why didn't we see that? 
There's a great illustration visually of what we all struggle with in this life. Here is the good news. It won't always be this way. The Bible teaches that there's coming a day when the limitations of our human understanding will give way to the perfect knowledge that will allow us to comprehend, to understand the wonders of eternity. Think about this for a minute. Those of you who have grandmas and grandpas, family members who have struggled with dementia or Alzheimer's syndrome, the Bible says when we step into heaven, all of us will have the blind spots lifted from our minds, the limits removed from our understanding, and we'll actually be able to comprehend the things that God understands. What an amazing blessing for the person who can no longer remember their loved ones, who can no longer remember what they did an hour ago to step into God's presence and realize not only is all of that gone for all eternity, but they have an added gift of being able to comprehend the things that God understands. Dear friends, heaven is going to be amazing. Get ready. In the meantime, as we struggle to wrap our minds around the heartaches of this life, it's a good idea to remember God is too good to be unkind. God is too wise to be mistaken. If I can't trace his hand, his plan for me, I can always, always, always trust his heart. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So let's do a little assessment this morning. This is a good assessment for us to do every few weeks, every month or so. Take the name of Jesus and put it in the place of love and read the same verses. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy or boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking or easily angered. Perfect fit, right? Because the Bible says God is love. It's the essence of who he is. Now let's try another experiment. Put your name there. Ha ha ha. I will be the scapegoat this morning, all right? I won't ask you to do it. Gaylord is patient. Well, on occasion. Gaylord is kind. I can think of a couple times last week. Gaylord does not envy. Who's got that brand new Beamer out in the parking lot today? 
Gaylord does not boast, is not proud. Oh my, this is getting really warm and uncomfortable up here, and it's not just the theatrical lights. Gaylord does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking or easily angered. Please, please, please don't talk to my wife Sharon about that last one, folks, all right? Don't do that today. (laughs) Maybe the greatest roadblock to living in God's love on the painful side of life is the erosion of trust all around us. Look wherever you choose and you will find an erosion of trust in our culture. Let's face it, it's hard to find good trust models anywhere. Even though we know that God is love and fully trustworthy, guess what? We live in a world where trust is in short supply. What's more, I have this tendency to keep recreating God in my own image and in the image of those around me. Because people have let me down, God will surely let me down. Because people aren't consistent, God won't be faithful. Because I can't trust others, I can't trust God. In fact, when caught up in life's misery, there's really only one question that matters, dear friends. Do I trust God or not? At the bedrock of all of our lives when we're struggling with the hurts and pains of life is one question and only one question. Do I trust God or not? You know what? Too often my answer is no. Because I've been let down so many times by those I counted on the most. And guess what? I've done it too. Somewhere deep within, I believe that God is just waiting for a chance to let me down also. 1 Corinthians teaches that love always trusts. You know, I found that genuine trust can't exist. Don't even look for it. It cannot exist without healthy relationships. And you know, the more loving a relationship grows, the greater the level of trust. Here's what I mean. I trust my wife, Sharon, with my heart and my life. Now, that doesn't always mean that I like the decisions she makes which affect me personally. Sometimes I don't agree with the course of action that she takes. However, I know, I know that I know that I know that she always has my best interest at heart because she loves me. I've experienced her love in a daily intimate relationship that just grows richer and richer over now almost 42 years. Here's my point. None of us, there's not a single person in this room today who likes it when God allows hard times 
to overtake us. And we may struggle to believe that this was the best direction for my life to take in this season. However, however, in the midst of our storms, we can find peace that the Bible says surpasses, goes beyond our understanding. But it only comes from knowing that He only desires what's best for us. And that only happens big if, big I-F. We're in touch with His heart through a deep, intimate link that just grows richer over the years. When you're in the midst of the storm, it's too late to start loving on God. Start today. Start today to talk to Him, to read His love letter to you, to worship Him, to develop a relationship that the Bible says is more intimate than my closest earthly relationship. Are you actively working to build that kind of relationship with the one who says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. During the broken seasons of life, it's critical to reject the negative self-talk that torments us with thoughts of fear and impending disaster. Here's what I do. When the pressure is on and my life is falling apart, I find myself thinking the worst is yet to come. How am I going to survive this? If I wasn't such a mess up, this wouldn't keep happening to me. And before I know it, I've fallen into into the trap of negative self-talk. Dear friends, we need to start confessing the truth about whose we are and where we are. Who are you today? You're not a failure. You're not someone who just constantly messes up. The Bible says if you're a Christ follower, you are his beloved child. He looks at you and he says, I can't help myself. I just love them. I am well pleased with them. And guess what? He's still pleased with us when we're failing. He's still pleased with us when we're struggling with sin. He's still pleased with us when we're going through the difficulties of life. He loves us no matter what. So know whose you are today. Fill your thoughts with that and know where you are. This picture you've been looking at tells us visually where we are right now. Do you see the expression on that child's face? Safety, peace, protection, security. Even though I'm going through the hard times of life, I'm held firmly in the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ. Now answer this question. Who is that child? You are. Every one of you in this room know whose you are and know where you are during the challenging times of life. So as we struggle to respond confidently to the question, do we trust him? It's a good idea to keep our minds filled with what Spurgeon said, God is too good 
to be unkind. God is too wise to be mistaken. If I cannot trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. George Pocock, who lived from 1891 to 1976 was a leading designer and builder of racing shells. Pocock crafted shells began winning U.S. Intercollegiate Rowing Association championships in 1923, and he achieved international recognition by providing the eight-oared racing shells that won gold medals in the 1936, 48, and 52 Summer Olympics. During that period of time, nearly every American collegiate sport rowing program used Pocock wooden shells and oars. In the book, The Boys in the Boat, Pocock makes these observations which have powerful applications for us as we row, row, row our boats on the occasionally smooth but most often turbulent rivers of life. It is hard to make that boat go as fast as you want. The enemy is water resistance as you have to displace an amount of water equal to the weight of the nine men and equipment. Think about that. However, that very water is what supports you, and that very enemy becomes your friend. So it is with life. The very problems we must overcome support us and make us stronger in overcoming them. It's also vital to note that only the coxswain, the one who is responsible, the only one in the boat to navigate and steer the boat, can see where it's going. Others in the vessel need to have unwavering faith and trust in him for their safety, success, and even their survival. For you see, the ultimate goal of winning the race rests on that one person. I know your story. I've read it cover to cover. And I know the storms that will come. The waves will swell and the sky will darken. Though you'll fight against the current, you'll be swept away. You'll feel helpless and abandoned, and you'll wonder where I am in the midst of it all. I know this isn't the way you thought our relationship would work, but my plans are not for my comfort or yours. My purposes are always and only an expression of love. The scars in my hands are proof that love will sometimes lead you directly into the storm. Though you can't understand my plans, you can trust in one thing, that I am entirely good. You can't even imagine how good I am, 
and my plan for you is no different. When you shout asking where I am, know that I am right behind you with my arms wrapped tightly around you, whispering, I will never let go. For you are the pinnacle of my creation and the center of my affection. There will come a day when I will quiet every storm and wipe away every tear. In that day, there will be no more pain or death. But until that day comes, I will be your anchor in this storm. Where is God in your broken places right now? He's holding you close in everlasting arms, whispering, I've got you. I have you, and I'll never let you go. If you're hurting today, and you just need someone to pray with you, we have a wonderful team of prayer leaders who are ready to agree with you in the midst of your heartache. God bless you. Keep that image in your mind as you go out today to face this world. 